Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking. Welcome. Today, my guest is James Jones. James is a community college professor and a 38-year veteran of policing. He still is doing some patrol work. James is a lifelong Christian and understands the significance of his faith in Christ and the career path God has led him into. So we're so thankful to have James on the show today. How you doing, James? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so very much for having me. That's great. So I want to give you kind of a question to get a chance to know you and the audience to know you. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Um, I I think the best advice I'd ever received um, actually came from a friend of mine. He was a pastor, is a pastor still. Um, And it was simply be yourself, enjoy your life, and appreciate the blessings that uh, you have been given. Take a step back and look at the big picture and uh, live your life according to that. Well, that's good. I like that. I, I write all these down so I can like borrow all these later on. It'll sound like really <laughs> profound. <laughs> it was, uh, you, you know, that message uh, resonated with me. Um, and it's it's not something that maybe I, I, I've i been able to take in over my lifetime. But uh, I was out with uh, my friend and uh, we were going for a drive. I think we had taken in a dinner and uh, we were driving through uh, a neighborhood uh, with some beautiful homes and and I was looking at the homes and I had mentioned uh, wow that's really really beautiful uh, they must really enjoy what they have and uh, and that's when that message came to me and I, I took a look back after that at my life and I I thought well maybe that message didn't come early in my life but as time has gone on I've, I've been able to appreciate exactly what he was saying Enjoy the blessings that uh, God has given you and uh, take a step back, look at the big picture. Uh, things are good with, with what we have. Yeah, kind of reminding us to be appreciative of what God has blessed us with. That's a good message. Absolutely. So tell us something about yourself that the millions listening would not know, but will know once you share with us. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I, I live my life pretty much with an open book, so uh, at least those who know me pretty much know me well just by, by, by seeing me and, and speaking with me. Um, maybe something a little bit unusual from a, a 38-year-old or 38-year police veteran, not a 38-year-old police veteran, but a 38-year police veteran. Um, police officers often have an image of of, of uh, not showing emotion, not uh, not uh, putting on a front, or putting on a front, I should say, that is uh, uh, press, perhaps a, a little bit less than uh, um, someone who would express uh, themselves in certain ways. I'm, I'm an old movie fan. I love to sit back and watch old movies. Um, Casablanca 
It's a wonderful life, uh, the best years of our lives. But I'm also a, a closet crier when I'm watching those movies. Sometimes I kind of have to disappear in the back of the room when I'm watching them, and I'm I'm wiping my eyes a lot uh, from, from watching those movies, even the ones that I've seen dozens of times. I, I could almost tell you when the uh, the floodgates are going to open, you know, so I I have to, to watch myself a little bit uh, when I'm watching those movies, or at least uh, try not to be too obvious about my 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 uh, my, my eyes watering so much. <laughs> my wife tells me that you know having emotions is a good thing, so I <laughs> I commend you for that. <laughs> so so who were the major influences in your life as you think back? Uh, to me, that's the. Uh, that's not even all that hard. Uh, first of all, I begin with my parents. I had wonderful parents. I had a wonderful upbringing. I was brought up in a, a rural area in Michigan. Uh, the road that I lived on uh, was uh, my family with my parents, my brothers and sisters, but my closest neighbors were my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. It was farm country. My grandparents owned a dairy farm down the road that my father had been brought up in and and he built a house just uh, down the road from that, and that's where I was raised. So I, I had a strong family upbringing. My parents were wonderful, wonderful people. They uh, they they gave me a Christian upbringing. The uh, the little white church on the corner that we sometimes walk to and sometimes drive a car to, depending on the weather, was uh, was was uh, almost a second home to me as I was being raised. Um, the uh, in fact, it was the uh, church that I ended up getting married in. Uh, my parents were good, loving people and, uh, and and certainly provided me with some strong values as I was being raised. Uh, I've been married now for 40 years, almost 41 years. Uh, my wife has, has certainly been a great inspiration to me. Um, she has uh, shared in my career with me and, and put up with a lot of things that perhaps uh, Wives who are married to people in other careers really don't have to put up with, but she's done it in a in, in a very strong way. Encouraged me, has uh, told me um, when I'm going in the wrong direction at times, and I've appreciated that because she was generally right when she's told me that and and put me on the right path. So uh, that uh, those that certainly she has certainly been a strong inspiration in my life. I watch my kids now, and and they're adults. They're all uh, going in their own path that uh, they have been directed to go into, and they've all had some some great 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 successes in those uh, career choices. They're wonderful parents. Uh, all of them now have kids. I have ten grandkids, and uh, my grandkids are great inspirations to me too. They're all a little bit different. I can't say any of them act exactly alike. They're all a little bit different. They bring on the challenges, uh, whether it's uh, school challenges, challenges they have with friends, uh, health challenges, all those things that a, a big family brings on. Uh, um, they keep me happy. They keep me going and, and, and they keep me on, uh, uh, on certainly a, a great course. So I'm, 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 I'm inspired by all of my family and all, all the different, uh, I guess, uh, uh, generations that we have. Well, that's neat. So. I brought you on because we connected about kind of talking about police and justice reform in America. And from your 38 years experience, could you kind of share with just people what what is like a what happens when a policeman gets a call 
I, I think we we assume from watching Chicago PD or, or, or our favorite crime shows that these are how these these go down. But maybe you could give us some insight for the audience who doesn't really understand what are some of the factors the police has to consider on a call? What's going through someone's mind to help us better understand what really happens in policing? Perhaps the one thing um, that that stands out is the reality that we're going on a call that deals with people. And, and for better or worse, people are people. People are often um, struck when we're called with some type of a stressful situation, an emotional situation. People are looking for help, and, and, and oftentimes we're the ones that they're going to call to try to help them. And we're going because those who call are in a position where they can't solve their issue or, 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 or find the, the right answers without our assistance. Now, having said that, um, going to a call, it doesn't matter if it's a criminal call, if it's a public service call. Uh, the realization is when you get there, there's a likelihood that there's going to be someone who's going to be excited, someone who's going to want quick help, immediate help. Um, and they may say something. They may um, act in a way that might be or could be construed as offensive. But as a police officer, you really can't take it that way. It's simply someone who needs help and they're acting in a way that uh, that, that they may show emotion. Um, I, I, I think this is a very, very big question because police officers go on an array of calls. Um, I was looking at a, a study that police officers generally go on violent crime calls, maybe less than 4% of the calls that they receive. So it's not always going to be a violent crimes call. In fact, service calls are are often the case. Uh, they're in the 35 to 40% range of calls you're going to receive. And you're not going to run into people who are doing something wrong or that would uh, generally cause you to take some type of an enforcement measure when you get there. Um, I try to always keep the positive thought process going as I'm going to a call. Generally, when I have gone to calls over my 38 years, people are are, are certainly receptive and, and nice and, and, and want to participate in solving the problem, whatever the problem may be. And they can be from anything. Um, I, I, I remember just a couple of humorous calls that I've gotten. Um, one time I got a call from a man who uh, said he was stuck in his, his living room. And I get to his house. He lives in a big Victorian house. And I see two legs coming down from the ceiling. He had been up in his attic and he had fallen through the drywall in his ceiling. And and, and we had to sit there together and try to figure out how we were going to get him out. And as, as any good police officer, I, I thought, I think we're going to call the fire department. They have ladders. I don't have a ladder. So it, it, it's that process. The larger number of calls are going to be calls that are going to be somewhere along. Now, that's, that, that's an unusual call. Um, it can be someone who has a medical issue that you're going to get a call. Uh, someone who in the middle of the night has... As, as we used to see in the commercial, has falling out of bed and they can't get up and, and they call you and you're the first one there. And sometimes you're the only one that's coming. You, you've got to go to those calls. So uh, the mindset of a police officer going to a call is, is certainly dependent on the call. The overwhelming majority of calls are not going to be the violent crimes, crime calls that, that we're always associated with, with the top lights and sirens ablazing and, and you've got to go and, and, and take care of things. It's uh, it's going to be a call where you're going to try to think, how am I going to take care of this? 
and uh, those calls can can certainly be anything. And, and and your job is to to realize that you're being sent there because someone needs help. And oftentimes, as I'm going, I'm trying to figure out a plan of what I'm going to do when I get there. And sometimes I don't have a clue until I do get there. So, uh, um, and when it is a violent crimes call, there is certainly stress. Uh, there's there's that same process. You're thinking, what am I going to do when I get there? Um, and um, with that, I, I go back to suggesting that when you do get a call, whether it's a service call or a violent crimes call, you're going to a location where there's another person. It's a it's a people problem, and and, and generally you can take care of and find the right way to solve that people problem. That those that was great. So in police reform, um, I hear that word police reform a lot. Is that the right pathway or? What I really think I hear more from some policemen is that it's not about reform as much as it's about more training, maybe better training as a strategy. If you had to choose between or maybe a combination, is, is it really about reform? Is it about there needs to be more training and equipment for police? What would you say the, the thought may be? Um, you know, the, the talk about uh, reform really became in the uh, limelight last year with the George Floyd murder case in, in Minnesota. And, and, and rightfully so. Uh, that was a very, very tragic incident. In, in, in seeing that, it was a emotional incident to watch as we saw George Floyd murdered in front of America, in front of the world, uh, by the police officer. And as in a police call, as you see that, emotions ran high and rightfully so and with that there were strong calls to defund the police uh certainly great calls for reform and i think the term reform is certainly a term that um, had to be recognized in in saying that in policing we can do things better and I, I, I think there is a process, perhaps throughout my whole career, where we've always recognized that we can do things better and we need to do things better. And I think every day we should be reaching to do things better. And with that comes training and particular training on areas where we still and will continue to need to do things better. And certainly identifying issues where. Uh, we can um, find training and, 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 and different ways of doing in, in relation to diversity. But certainly, we recognize that police officers, as all people do, have implicit biases, that we have to recognize those things. Those are, those are perhaps terms that we, uh, we probably haven't looked at um, in most of my career and have just started coming to the forefront. And yes, we we do need some training. We do need uh, further education in this area as police officers. And I know long after I'm done being a police officer, long after I'm not on earth any longer, uh, that is something that is going to have to continue, that we're going to always have to have better understandings and better trainings and, 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 and better ways of doing things when we're dealing with, with, with people and people issues in, in society, particularly as we look at issues with diversity, uh, we still have to recognize that police agencies are not very diverse. Um, 
when we look at police agencies around the nation, we look that the majority of police officers are white. We still have to look at the majority of police officers are white males. Um, and having said that, we have to look at ways to try to change that and make our police agencies more reflective of what our nation is. And until we do that, we're going to have to work at trying to find ways to to curb problems that are that are often associated with those with those types of issues. Thank you. That's very deep, because um, I think we do talk about it. We talk about that in the church, that our churches aren't always very diverse. They don't always reflect the community. So it's harder when your church doesn't reflect the community to understand some of the needs in the community. So that's a, that's a very good point. Along those lines, Christians who are in communities that are maybe not dealing with some of the problems we're having, what, what advice would you give for churches who are trying to support their community to better, to do that better and to support the, the policemen who are in their community? How would they, how would you, what advice would you give Christians about that? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about Big Tech or Big Brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number 4, freedommobile.com. Um, police officers do have a tough job, uh, and oftentimes they are relied upon in a community to try to solve community problems that certainly would be solved in a much better way if the entire community could focus on those problems with the police. In other words, police working with the community is oftentimes the answer to those problems. The church is a wonderful place to begin that conversation uh, as a as a Christian member of a congregation, how can I be better uh, uh, involved in the solving of problems that communities have? You know, uh, Pastor Haney, you mentioned earlier that having a police agency that represents the community is important, um, and there's no better place to start looking for assistance in policing than in in churches that represent the communities uh, that are that are already in place. Long ago, when the uh, London Metropolitan Police Force was first formed way back in the 1890s, Sir Robert, Pe- or, I'm sorry, 1820s, Sir Robert Peel mentioned that the police role was to work with the community to try to handle problems within the community. And somewhere along the lines, that uh, that notion has left us. It has come back. It leaves us periodically and comes back. Well, we're at a point, I think, uh, in, in in our society right now where we, we need that more than anything. Police should work with the community and the community should work with the police. It should be a team effort in trying to solve many of those problems. And the church 
uh, certainly is is a wonderful place uh, that uh, the police can look for for assistance in solving community problems. So we're going to wave a magic wand, and for one day, we're going to put you in charge of the entire criminal justice system. <laughs> what what changes would you recommend or make to improve that? Um, there are many, many changes, and where to begin, I, I don't know. Um, but but certainly, how uh, police interact with members of the community would need to be looked upon in in, in the very beginning training aspect of a of a police officer's career. Uh, recognizing that one who is going to have a long-term career in policing is going to have to deal with people problems. And again, when, when I say people problems, I mean those social issues that uh, that you're going to be confronted with and those issues that you're going to have to communicate with others in order to solve. And it's the, 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 the communication area uh, probably needs to hit be hit more in our in our training in our academies, uh, learning how to de-escalate situations, those things that um, weren't necessarily at the forefront of our training or police training back when I went through police training, they need to be at the forefront now. Every year, I have to learn how to do CPR. Every year, I have to learn how to go out and and, and demonstrate my proficiency with the firearm. Um, if I'm in charge of the criminal justice system in the United States today, I want at the forefront of my training how to communicate with others, how to best resolve situations verbally, uh, how to go out and make those who are going to be police officers working uh, in uh, with under under my umbrella, how we can make those police officers be in a position that they can best solve those problems without having to use any type of force, without having to use any type of, of actions that, uh, that in a position where someone may find themselves a police officer or the person they're dealing with could find themselves getting hurt. I've always found in my career, the best way to solve a problem is by sitting down and talking through lateral communication with those who I'm speaking with, not talking down, uh, but speaking with that person. And, and those types of training uh, issues I would certainly address and put at the forefront of my 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 training academies. That's really great. I like those. Those are really good. Good. Uh, this is a great conversation. So what would you like your legacy to be? <laughs> That's a great question. I've never really given that much thought. Family-wise, I, I, I hope that I have been a very good representative uh, for my family. Um, I I would hope that they know that uh, my grandkids may someday tell their grandkids about their papa and and what he's done um, uh, professionally, particularly as an educator in a community college. Uh, I, I hope someday maybe some of those young police officers that are out on the street, maybe 20 years down the line, will think back and, wow, I, I learned this in, in, in one of Professor Jones's classes. That was, uh, that was a good conversation we had in class. And uh, if, if that happens, that would be very nice. I don't know that it will. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the true pleasures I have doing what I'm doing, both being a police officer and a college educator, is that I, I'm seeing a lot of my students uh, now in the workforce. 
And um, I get to see them. I get to see them in action sometimes. I get to see how they're performing out there. And I'm often very pleased. Um, Policing, when I started back in the early 80s, was different than it is today. And how one approaches a call, how one handles themselves on a call is probably different than the way that I was originally taught. I thank God that it's a little bit different than the way that I was originally taught. Um, so I think we're making some good strides. strides. Um, and I'm seeing that with those young folks that are going out there and, and, and joining the profession now. I'm, I'm seeing that uh, there is a much, much stronger communication process taking place on calls when, when we go on calls. Um, I, I, I'd like to think, I hope perhaps long after I'm, I'm no longer in policing and, and, and maybe no longer in the area, maybe no longer on, on this earth, that uh, someday someone might think back and say, wow, I, I, I heard about that in, in, in one of Jones's classes and, uh, and it's, it's resonating today. That would be nice. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> so anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to share? Oh, no, I, uh, I, I appreciate the time that you've uh, given me on, on your on your program. Um, uh, this is a, a great conversation. It's a conversation that should be taking place throughout the nation on many, many different programs. Um, you know, we're we are as police officers, as community members, uh, we're, we're, we're in this. We're in this together without that, without certainly that communication and cooperation that needs to take place. Deep problems can and have existed in, in our nation. And, and we need to find ways that uh, that we can certainly chat together and look at those those things that we can all have in common and a common goal in, in trying to make our, our nation, our communities, our, our neighborhoods a little bit better place. Well, thank you, James. I appreciate this conversation. And I pray that as people continue to have the conversation, especially about policing and about how we can make our community safer, that they'll take some nuggets from this conversation and take some personal responsibility to say, how can I come alongside those servants in my community and make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have that same prayer. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bkeithhaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.